G'day and welcome to Hudaki 2. Unfortunately, we had some technical issues and missed part of the recording. So you get an intro from me as I sit on a park bench here in Mochuaika enjoying a beautiful sunshiny day up in the Nelson region. For this episode, Jason takes us on a deep dive into the tar ballot. It's interesting stuff and some good insight into a, and a few stats for those looking to put in for next year's ballot. But first, I'd like to make a shout out to the team at the Eastern Fielding. The Eastern Field Link is a hunter and fisher-led conservation project situated in the upper reaches of the Waiweka Gorge. It sits between Opatiki and Gisborne. And their whole thing is a big goal on trying to protect the, the fear or the blue duck. Sat down the other night and had a good yarn with Donovan Boucher, one of the team from the project, and um, had some really good insight and just some yarns about just general hunter-led conservation and what the Field Link project's up to, and it was bloody awesome. Hopefully in the future we can sit down with him or one of the other guys from the team and have a real good yarn about the project and get them on the podcast. These guys are doing great things for our little bird, so jump online and check them out. Go to the easternfeellink.co.nz or hit them up on Instagram and Facebook. Search up the Eastern Feeling. All right, now let's jump into Tar Ballot with Jace. Moving on. Jason, Tar Ballot. Yeah, it's... Um... You know, that time of the year again where the, the ballots have just opened a couple of days ago or yesterday. So, um, yeah, it just kind of prompted me to have a bit of a rethink kind of recap of, of what the tar ballot's all about and um, thought I'd share a few few of my findings. It's yeah. interesting. Um, I think overall the, you know, tar range probably spreads from the Wanaka-Hast Highway down in the south up to you know, the kind of Rakaia and Hokitika rivers, rivers in the north, um, which is quite a large area, but the, the ballot actually just focuses on the two wilderness areas um, that are in that are in that area. Um, so there's the, the Hooker, Landsborough wilderness area and the Adams wilderness area. Um, but I, I thought I'd just do a, a quick overview on, on what wilderness areas are and why they're different from the normal um, kind of dock estate. Um, the wilderness areas are an area where they've elected to keep them in a higher state of kind of wilderness rather than um, the normal dock estate. And so that means there's a limit um, to the amount of uh, kind of access and infrastructure that's in place there. So for a wilderness area, it so needs like to take... Keep, keeping it a wild place. Yeah, so kind of keeping it keeping it pure and wild, so to speak. So a couple of the, the kind of criteria that they have, it needs to take a, a day um, to walk there, and then it needs to take at least two days to cross um, and be at least, you know, 20,000 hectares. So there's these kind of size requirements that it has to be actually a significant portion of space um, and then they also have kind of infrastructure restrictions so there's no tracks no huts no roads um, and there's limits on on access um, by means of kind of mechanical help so you know you can't motorbike or or motorboat in there um, and there's no um, or heavily restricted helicopter access and I guess that's where it, it links in with the tar ballot because um, these these areas are, are you know phenomenal but they're in the middle of nowhere and so access is is pretty um 
you've got to be pretty committed to, to walk in there. Yeah, it's it's by design. It is hard to access, yeah. which in cause creates a it both it both uh, increases or enhances the uh, conservation effect yeah. and the wilderness experience. Yeah, like by being a wilderness zone, it looks after the area. And, and there's like a big conservation thing there, but also by nature of it building a wilderness zone, it limits access. So then you get the high tar numbers, which is where the tar ballot comes in. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Cause you know, it's just, you can't drive. It's not like you can drive up the, the riverbed and walk in for a couple of hours, you know, by very design, it takes you a day to walk there to the boundary. Mm. And then, you know, another two days minimum to walk across. So, um, yeah, by design, very inaccessible. And so the, the tar ballot um, is kind of recognising that because access is so hard, hunter effort there normally would be very low. And so the tar ballot is a way of getting recreational hunters into the mix um, by allowing a helicopter access concession. And so that's really what the, the ballot means. Um, the ballot isn't for exclusive access to a block per se, but it's um, exclusive rights to be able to helicopter in and out of that block. Um, yeah. Which is That's... like a, a way to kind of get around. They've introduced this kind of caveat saying no helicopter access unless you're doing, um, you know, the tar balloted hunts. And then that's getting recreational hunters in there so they can hunt the tar and, and keep the the populations at a at a manageable level, which is which is really important. Yeah, it's a great um great access uh yeah, like a great access initiative to a to to get people in there but still keep it as wilderness because like it's like I've been in on and I've only done two of them, but it's it's still bloody wild in there, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it yeah, it makes it pretty pretty cool and pretty kind of special and unique that these places can't get overrun with people. Um, but also, it, you know, highlights the fact that um, recreational hunters have a have a pretty important role in in managing managing the numbers of of these wild animals. And so, um, we need to kind of take that responsibility seriously and make sure we're doing our bit. Um, but yeah, so there's um, that's kind of the the wilderness areas, and then I can talk about the the ballot itself. Um, so recently, I think in the last couple of years, I've added a, a few additional ballot periods, and so now there's twelve uh, seven day periods that start on the twenty second of April and run right through until the fourteenth of July. Um, so I can imagine. I don't know how the weather was for you guys in there, Bruce, the last couple of times, but starting to push well into winter by the time you're on those last <laughs> we our our uh not this year so last year 2021 our 2021 ballot into the edison river with the nanny slayers shout out to the nanny slayers um we were there in the very last period so we were well into the bloody winter and it was cold yeah um well, I think our first two or three days were stunning. It was like t-shirt and short weather. We've got some beautiful photos from those days. And then 
yeah, then it turned dog, um, and we were up high. The Edison's quite a high one, so we had a bit of snow and whatnot. But uh, we come out trumps in the end, so it was all right. But and then this year when we were in there, we were earlier on, but it was um, it was bloody wet. That classic wet we had. Um, I think we ended up with two days of sun. I spent most of the time bush stalking in the rain. So, yeah, you get a mixed bag. Yeah, got to pack for it, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so the, there's the 12 periods, and then there's also the, the 25 different, different blocks. Um, I'm still trying to get my head around where's what and how big and, and what they all look like on the map, but it's pretty interesting looking through them. Um. But yeah, and then this year, by the looks, you uh, can make five choices. Um, so you can choose either one block for five different periods or or pick your favorite period and, and five different blocks for that period, or you can do a kind of combination of mixing different blocks and periods, but you get five choices to kind of maximize your, your chances. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it creates like a pretty interesting... Um, it means you can't blanket apply for for everything, which which actually makes the the block decision, um, you know, quite interesting. And I imagine if you're picking a place that loads of people want to go, then your probability of getting it diminishes. And conversely, <laughs> yeah. if, if you pick a place where people aren't really talking about it, um, no one really wants to go there because it doesn't get any sun or it's steep or for whatever reason. Um, or you want to go there at a time that's later in the winter or, or when everyone's, you know, still chasing a few there's, stacks. There's Fellow. so much thought that goes into picking a block when you can get time off work, when you think, well, I mean, it's it's nine months away for a lot some of these blocks. You know, they're sort of six to nine months away when you put in. So you're trying to think about when you can get time off and then you're trying to think about who's picking what block, when the weather's going to be good and, what you've seen in that block last year, maybe you want to go back because there's a big bull. There's so much going on, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Um, it's an interesting, interesting kind of conundrum. The um, it's it's good reading online. They've they've provided a lot of of really kind of good info um, on the the ballot website. Um, and there's actually a, a summary that they've done of um of the number of hunting parties that have gone in and the, the number of bulls, nannies, juveniles um, that have been shot. Um, so I've actually gone through and, and made just a really quick um, summary of what are the, in that, that last season that we had, um, what were the top five and what were also the bottom five, like the best and the worst blocks for 2021. Um, so I thought I'd well, just... This will be interesting, yeah quickly run through run through that is this for 2021 or 2022 um oh 2022 sorry the season just been yeah yeah um yeah so what do you want do you want to start with the the best first or the bottom oh let's start at the bottom and we'll work our way up we'll see it'll get better and better start at the bottom i'll um i'll kind of count down so we'll end on the on the very worst <laughs> yeah. um yeah. on the very worst one um, so number, the t- number 21, um, was Heinz Tarn. And so they had three, um, 
three animals shot on average per hunting party. Yeah. And 31 animals observed on average per hunting party. Um, I know I know a guy who went in there, old Timmy, he went into Heinstein. He actually, um, he actually hired the old MIA off us and he went in there and he spent the whole time drinking rum in the tent. So those numbers <laughs> don't surprise me at all. So he, wasn't... Mean, he did. He did shoot a bull, but there was a lot of sitting in the tent drinking rum, so it's a bit of a carry-on. Yeah, they've also got the um, the stats on how many, the number of permits hunted, uh, which is quite interesting. So either that's like the number of diaries that were actually returned or, um, you know, if parties had to cancel due to, due to weather. And, and I think uh, yep. um, this year especially there was, I think we, we were talking about it earlier in the year, Bruce, there was a lot of, a lot of trips that were were affected by by that yeah. snow that we had, and you know, my there was own... a couple of weeks there where it really just it, it ruined some trips. Yeah, yeah. Like my own kind of trip down was not for a ballot block, but for another trip was was kind of severely hampered because of that, and um, it just kind of goes to show once you're starting to to get into the winter months in the high alpine like that, it can be pretty fickle at times. So yeah, number twenty-one, Heinz Tarn. Number twenty-two, Shelter Hollow, with um, three killed on average per party and sixty-nine observed. Number twenty-three, Otoko, with three killed and forty-nine observed. Twenty-four, uh, Poker Gully, with three killed and twenty-six observed. And the, the worst of the worst for 2022 was Perverse Creek with three, three killed and 22, um, 22 observed. And all those, um, all except a toko, only had four permits hunted for, for those periods. So pretty interesting, pretty low. Um, low low turn-up. Yeah, know, low like, kills. Yeah, well, low kills, but low... Um, like permits hunted yeah i mean out of out of 12 permits and i don't know if that's a function of people not returning their permits um which they should be doing or or whether people aren't getting in there because of the inclement weather um yeah i'd certainly you know i believe that a lot of people especially in this last year would have been missing out from that that weather Mm. but yeah interesting kind of going through the stats and and seeing which ones are the, the worst performers. It'll be interesting um, going through and just really looking back through the years and seeing if if it's always the same blocks that are same at the bottom. Same blocks and, that are in the bottom, eh? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe that will be my con- contribution this year. I'll do a full, do a full, full report on the I'll last 20 years. I'll do a full breakdown and, and present yeah. it to the team. Yeah. The stats behind. Oh, and so our what's our... Blocks. What's our top top five blocks? Starting right. with number five, I suppose. We're yeah, number five number um, was Mahitahi with nine shot and sixty three observed. Ooh, um, which was interesting. Um, Edison number four at ten shot and fifty five observed. Is that ten bulls? Not ten bulls. Ten animals. Oh, ten animals. Yeah. I know there was a big, uh, we run into at the helipad there, we run into a chick who, um, geez, I forget her name, up Hamner Springsway. She blew over a 13-inch bull from camp in the Edison. Oh, unreal. 
Oh, no. Unreal. Bloody good. She'd done a couple of days busting her ass and then was having a camp day just to relax. And um, here comes a 13-inch wandering along. <laughs> That's effort. Oh, Amazing no. that, um, you know, those places get hunted pretty obviously pretty heavy for this period of the year so it's amazing that there's bulls that are surviving not only through yeah. one season um but he would have been a cracker bull last year and you know and they're making yeah. it through yeah. and, and surviving which is which is pretty cool that you can still go in there and find stuff like that exactly just on the the quick calc there was so 10 animals um per group shot but 2.3 Bulls per group shot at Edison. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, right, number number... Th- number three is the Upper Zora. Um, oh, yep. So that has ten shot on average per group and eighty seven observed, which is good numbers. You have to admit. Yeah. Um, number two, we're down to the finals. Um, number two, Adams Flat with. 11 shot and 54 observed. And then finally, Jacobs Creek, number one, or Jacobs, um, with 13 shot and 82 observed. So just a yeah, huge number of, of targeting 13, observed. It. 13 shot in the Jacobs this year. No, 13 animals shot on average per group. Oh, on average. So I was going to say 90, average, 90 like... shot. 90, 90 shot. shot. Yeah. So that was, that's bloody interesting because we were in there and it was rampant with tar. They yeah. were everywhere and they, there was, I think that that obviously killed quite a few out of there because there seemed to be more brows than there was worth of tar, but still a lot of tar, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, and I know actually that was like I shot, I can't even remember now, but I shot a heap of, I think I shot seven nannies one day in the bush. Um, yeah. The, on a rainy day, like we, we were just tearing into them. Um, so. It sounds like quite hard hunting in there though, the way you were describing it to me. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, bush stalking through low scrub was pretty tough and not what you expect for tar hunting. No, it was like... I'd I'd take him a bush piglet, the little two to three, the old um, short short barrel two to three, and um, I was using that in the scrub, which was mint. But um, yeah, different game to shoot. Like I'd gone in there just thinking I'd run around with a camera a week, take pictures of the boys, but it rained so much, and um, you know the boys were busy reading books in the tent, and I just I can't sit still. I'm bloody mad. So I just got up. I didn't even put my rain gear on. I was just like, I'm going to get too wet out there. I'm not even going to try and stay dry. I know I'll be wet. And I just marched off into the bush and just started shooting nannies. And holy shit, it was good fun, man. <laughs> like, shooting tar up close in the bush, that's the first time I'd ever done it. And it was awesome. It, like, it was, it was like, you know, growing up, I shot a heap of goats in the bush in Northland, and that was all up close in the bush. But I mean, I don't know. Some, you know, it's just a goat, so it doesn't like get you excited. But when you're doing it with tar, there's something majestic about the buggers, eh? And it just yeah. had me so pumped. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So I still remember the old look on Solly's face when I walked in, and he goes, "Well, what'd you get?" Because he'd demanded I'd come back with heart because we'd had heart 
into the bacon and onions the day before. And I went out and he's like, buddy, bring us back some more hearts. We have a cooker. Because um, we had old um, Marco cooking the feed and like he knows how to cook feed. So I come back in and just walked in and I just unzipped my pocket and I just start unloading hearts. Because I shot too many, I couldn't, I couldn't carry them. And I was like, well, I'll just leave them all here and I'll come back later on with a pack and I'll bone them all out. But I'll take all the hearts home right now so we can have tea. So we were just, I just started throwing hearts to Solly and you should have seen like Solly has a huge grin on his face and he just lit right up. Eh? It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's real cool. So, so the Jacob's number one, eh? Jacob's number one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I've also got the minimum and maximum here. Um, the minimum for Jacob's was one, one animal. And maximum was 35, which 35. I don't know if, 35 animals. I don't know if that was you, you got. Nah, nah, that wasn't us. I mean, it'd be nice if it was us, but shit, we, we weren't that hot. Um, oh, no, sorry, 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 goodness. I'm misrepresenting stats. Group size, oh. one or 35. So a mob of tar with 35 tar in it. That's a lot. Oh, Group size. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no. thirty-five. Yeah, we. I mean, we weren't seeing groups that big, but I don't like. I hundred percent believe it. I mean, we were seeing a lot of a lot of ten plus groups. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of lot of tar. Just looking yeah. down, there's a um. For Edison. The minimum group size was three, and the maximum was oh, sorry for Adam's flat, and the maximum was fifty, which is just like mind blowing. That's a lot of goats in one spot. Yeah, so I don't know. If, that's honestly hard to believe. So um, it's it's things like that, like um, when we were. When I was walking around in there looking at that bush and how chewed out it is, I was like, man, we need to cull the shit out of some of these tar in some areas. And the Jacobs River, when I was there, like, I'm no bloody scientist, but it's like, you don't have to be a scientist. You can look at that and go, there's too many animals here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, whereas you go to some areas and there's not too many animals. And so we can't go getting up and you know, hanging out with Eugenie where she just wants to kill everything because I think that's silly. But there are places, man, we need to shoot some of these tar because they're not, um, you get too many of them and you're going to end up with no bush, but you're also going to end up with no, like, no meat on your animal. They're all going to be too skinny because there's going to be no feed. Like, one day they're going to eat all the feed and then they're just going to be skinny animals with small horns and short hair and there's there's no there's no meat potential there's no trophy potential like you just end up with a dog ass herd so yeah and it detracts from the hunting i reckon like yeah they're yeah. kind of hunting's fun because it's hard you i know, know. If, if there's too many out there then you might as well you know just then yeah shoot rabbits or possums or something where you get a you know a tray full in a night if like exactly body exactly. count is what you're after yeah and I mean, like, shit, we've all done it. We haven't, when we've gone out, we've shot too many bulls and we haven't shot um, enough nannies. Mm. But you just kind of got to gotta stay on top of it. Like, um, 
I mean, well, I suppose when I think about it, I shot two bulls this year in the, in the Jacobs. I shot a heap of nannies as well, but not enough nannies to run. I think they run on a seven seven for one. Mm. Um, and I don't think I quite made it to 14 nannies for my two bulls. What's the, um, what's the seven to one? Oh, I mean, don't quote me on this too much, but I heard somebody say that for every for every bull you shoot, you should shoot seven nannies. So maybe I should do a bit more looking and have a think about that. But I mean, in some areas, I bloody definitely agree with that. But I ended up shooting, I mean, I shot a, an 11-year-old bull, which I reckon that's a pretty old bull. Um, pretty cool. Yeah. So I'd say, you know, that's not, you know, you're not getting keen and shooting five-year-old bulls and, and bloody messing everything up. I think an 11-year-old bull, most people would agree, is an old, mature animal. Um, and then I shot this neat bastard with a broken, we had no horns. He had one horn broken and the other horn was a little stub. So um, that was, yeah, that was really cool, actually. Um, that thing's just hanging up behind my desk here. It's awesome. But... You know, I did that, and then I was like, I sort of spent the whole rest of the trip being like, oh, you dickhead, you kind of shot too many bulls here. You better get out there and shoot some nannies. And then I've actually, all I've done all year since then is only shot nannies. So I'm trying to, trying to even out the old, the old balance here, you know? Yeah, balance the, the ledger a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of goes for anyone out there, just shoot some nannies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't always have eyes for the big shaggy things. Oh, it's, I mean, it is hard sometimes. But hey, uh, we'll get there. So yeah, that's my uh, my wrap up on the on the tar ballot. Just going through it's got me pretty pretty fizzed up for for next year. Excited? So. Yeah. There's um there's a great series of articles in the NZ Hunter magazine written by Cam from Point South, and each each issue he does it's just a little two page two page spread on a different um on a different ballot block oh, and cool. it kind of goes into a bit more detail on each ballot block there's some photos there's a little bit of like some tips and tricks on how to hunt it and where to set up camps and things like that so definitely if you're looking to do the old tar ballot um i mean there's kind of two steps to that have a look at the nz hunter at Cam's article and suss out what um, what blocks you think are good. And then if you draw a block, check to see if he's done an article on it. And if he has, I mean, there's a whole bunch of knowledge. That, that bugger seems to know a fair bit about hunting tar. And, and so there's a good little thing there. It gets you in the door. And then there's a few good Facebook pages, like the New Zealand um, Tar and Chamois Hunters Facebook page or something like that. There's always, like, you jump on there and you just say, hey, I'm going to the Jacobs, who's got some tips? There's plenty of guys that will point you in the right direction. So whether, you're, whether you've been doing ballots for a long time or whether you're looking for your first one, there's plenty of guys out there to give you a hand to um, to help you get get best set up to get in there and make the most of it, eh? Mm. Yeah, some good resources. Yeah. Oh, um We'll move on and do a quick little mention while we're on Tav of the old, uh, and bear with me if I get this wrong, um, the infectious keratoconjunctivitis, IKC, or pink eye, as everyone will know it. Um, so 
and then I'm not going to lie, I haven't actually read the article because I'm not great at reading. Um, but in issue 11 of the Hunter's Journal, which is the one with the sick-ass picture of a uh, um, couple of dudes sitting in a pack raft holding a velvety stag and one guy's pointing forward screaming something like, victory, something like that. It's quite a dope photo. So if you've got that issue, issue 11 of the Hunter's Journal, page 56, The Pink Eye Project, have a read of that. that um, that'll tell you through some pink eye. I might give that a bit of a read when I'm on the plane tomorrow. And the reason I bring this up is not just because we've been talking about tar, but I just seen yesterday the Tar Foundation do a little post on their page on Facebook. And um, the Tar Foundation just presented at the World Mountain Ungulates conference in the Italian Alps and they had a little poster presentation on pink eye um, so that was pretty cool to see the the New Zealand Tar Foundation over there talking with a whole bunch of other people about mountain ungulates and obviously um, they've done a little bit there talking and you get a whole bunch of people that are all into ungulates over there and um, the geezer that's been running this is old Dr Dr. Francesco Formisano. Um, sorry if I've botched your name there, mate. But um, he's he's the guy that has been doing a heap of work with this Pink Eye Project. And then um, he's obviously been over there at this conference doing some stuff with the foundation. Um, so check that out. Have a look. And, um, yeah, that's just I thought I'd chuck that on the end there while we're talking about tar. Well, that's it for Hudaki 2. Hopefully that answered some of your questions you might have about the tar ballot system. If you're keen to get a block, make sure you've got your entry entered by the end of October, and good luck. Remember, check out the Eastern Field link and enjoy yourself out there. We've got some great public lands to explore, so go for a walk.